Welcome to the podcast version of 32 Bar Cut, the show. A series for performers, about performers, made by performers. Every week, we give audition advice, share personal experiences, and sit down with fellow colleagues in the performing arts to chat about their life in the industry. If you are hearing this message, you are not currently a subscriber and will only be hearing the first half of the podcast. If you would like to hear the full interview, including the Curtain Call series, you'll want to head over to 32barcup.com, where you can find a link to our Patreon page. There you will have exclusive access to the entire video and private RSS podcast feed, as well as other subscriber-only content. Thanks for listening. Without further ado, on to the show. You may have seen him on your television screens, on Broadway, or you may have listened to him on an audiobook. But today he is sitting down with us to chat about his life as a performer. Welcome to the show, Raymond J. Lee. Hi, Adrian. Thanks for having me. And can I have that intro whenever I walk into an audition room? <laughs> that thing was um, that was amazing. <laughs> I'm so glad you loved it. Austin wrote that for us. And we get a kick out of playing it for everybody every episode. It's so much fun. You know, everyone like, oh, that's my name. <laughs> but I'm like, yeah, yeah, music. Oh, they personalized it. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we got to give you, you know, your red carpet before we start this chat. <laughs> yeah, I appreciate it very much. Thank you. <laughs> so how are you doing? And I, I ask everyone this knowing that it is not the simplest of questions any day, but definitely mm-hmm. nowadays, not the simplest list of questions, but how are you today? I'm okay. I'm hanging in there. It's been one of those rough uh, pandemic parenting remote hybrid school days, which is why I have my cup of coffee right here. (laughs) And I also have a cookie just to treat myself. (laughs) But you know, like, I feel like everybody's kind of hanging in there, living like day to day, week by week, being kind of aware of their feelings and what's happening inside their minds and bodies. So that's where I'm at. How about you? Definitely. Oh, man. Yeah, I I had to put an audition on tape before we did this. And that kind of puts me in... um, It's fun because you get to play, but it's not necessarily the frame of mind I want before I sit down and like have a relaxing plan chat with someone. And so... uh, other than that, I'm great. Now that that's over, I'm great. I'm I'm fantastic. And I get to go get a manicure after this because I've been Ooh. like hand modeling on the side. And so yes. it'll be a nice like relaxation moment for me to just like, okay, the audition's done and we're good. All I have to do is show my hands tomorrow. It's fine. You know, I could have a breakout. It's fine. <laughs> we'll have to like compare self-tape uh, uh, hints and advice because literally by like the eighth take, I'm like, I, I don't know anymore. I think I got it. And my husband's like, can I stop? I want to watch Real Housewives. Oh, yeah. Austin is over it. He's been such a, I mean, he's my person, right? So, like, I, I, I'm yeah. like, I can't do it without you. <laughs> like, I need you to help me. And he's like, oh, it's fine. It's fine. You got you. And it's been, for us, it's been a whole... Uh, uh, I don't know, journey of when we first started doing self-tapes, it was an argument every time. And mm-hmm. now it's like... Yes. Oh, okay, we can do this. I just need to make sure my tone is good and his tone is good. And then, you know, we can just get this done. Um, also, I learned that I can't use our time to record as time to continue to practice learning the lines. <laughs> like, 
Yeah. Um, yeah, we have a, um, I have a method now where I type out the, the, I said lyrics, the lines, and I tape them on a tripod just to like, I call it um, Dumbo's feather where mm-hmm. they're in my head. But mm-hmm. if I don't kind of see something, I just freak out. And so, and my yes. husband's like, or I will stop. And I'm like, I did it wrong. And he's like, you did it right. Why did you stop? That was a good take. Stop being an actor. I know that it's that it's that reminder of just keep it going. Just keep it going. Because if you were on stage, you would just keep it going. But also, yeah. it's so funny for me because I haven't really booked any TV or film yet. I've, I did like one independent film for a friend of mine in 2012 and like uh. never saw a, 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 a camera again, you know. And so for me, I feel like all this pressure. And when I go in for a theater audition... Mm-hmm. I learned the lines. I'm like, these are the lines. Bada boom, bop, bop, let's go. And then for some reason, when it's TV and film, I'm like, what is it? You know, it's like leaves my my brain. I'm right there with you. That's like, I'm still like that too. Um, and for me, it's like I've learned what you do in a theater audition where I like learned I learned the lines. I'm like, great, I'll see what happens in the room. Yeah. It's almost like you have to do that with the camera. Yeah. You have to be like, wh- whatever mood I'm in, whatever happens, whatever wink I do or head bob. It's going to be part of the take and hopefully it's good. Yeah, totally. I love that way of thinking. And and I'm hopeful. <laughs> I keep saying, like I said, I said it at the end of last year, I was like, 2021, I'm going to be on somebody's TV screen. You just wait. <laughs> you know, we'll see. I have no control over this. But anyway. Well, and says. it's like a lottery. It is literally, it's like, it's just so, it's like, what flavor do they want? What flavor are you feeling that day? Do those flavors coincide or do they completely miss each other? It's just such a crapshoot sometimes. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. It's fun, though. I would say that the auditions have been fun. And yeah, yeah we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. Did you, um, had you always wanted to be an actor? Yes. Um, to my parents' dismay, um, I always <laughs> wanted to be an actor. Um, I knew I actually always wanted to be a singer. That was my first thing was I wanted to like be in a boy band so badly. I would like learn all the dance moves to NSYNC and Backstreet and Britney, also being a gay boy. Um, (laughs) And then uh, in school, like the only way to kind of do that was with musicals. Mm -hmm. So that was my first foray into theater and acting. And I I love that too, because I'm such a ham. And then it just kind of spiraled from there. (laughs) I, um... I always ask everyone that because it's everyone's story is different. You know, you have some folks that are child actors and they, you know, they knew from from the womb that that's what they wanted. And then other folks kind of happened upon it. And it's just interesting that we all end up in the same place, but we our journeys are so different. Yeah. And that's I, why I love telling telling oh sorry, sorry that's why I love telling like the youngsters too who who think there has to be a specific path and you're like, "No. Everybody has their own path." Like Carolee Carmelo went to school for accounting and economics and then decided she wanted to sing. Like, and then there are people that are child actors. Like, it's just all about your own personal journey. Absolutely. And how you navigate that. And, and once you ma- I think once you make the decision, you just go for it. You just go for it. And it doesn't matter if you don't have the theater school or the, the, all the training or everything to back it up. You can, mm-hmm. you can acquire those things over time. You just have mm-hmm. to have the will and the passion to go for it, in my opinion. 
you know, what's funny is how many people now, like just talking to them and, and since we're all in quarantine and everyone's very open about how they're feeling, like how many of us still have like imposter syndrome? Oh, yes. <laughs> I almost feel like every, you know, sometimes the people that I think are the most put together and the most brilliant and they'll be like, I just feel like, why am I here? Like, I feel like it. And it's really humbling to know that because it's like, you feel that too. That's, that's cool to know. It's, it's all of us, you know? Yeah. I think that's that for me, that's part of why I wanted to even just sit down with other actors is because I think that the, the kids coming up or whoever, you know, whatever age, uh, mm. might feel like we're always having the time of our lives or that we know exactly what we're doing or our instincts are spot on and we just got magic. And it's not always that way. <laughs> Sometimes, you know, it's terrible or you don't know what you're doing or you want to just give up, you know, you get an audition call, it's due tomorrow, it's 12 pages and you just want to like throw it in the air and like go buy an ice cream cone because it's just, I need a break. But um, yeah, yeah. I, I wanted to show the real, and I feel like these conversations have really have really done that. So I'm, I'm really excited to sit down with you and and hear about your journey and and uh, how you got here today. Because um, I was doing some research on you, because I like to research everybody before we sit down yeah. and talk. And uh, I I I was so impressed by all the things that you've done. Like oh, you, you are a renaissance man when it comes to acting and you've you've mastered it all in my opinion it feels oh like you gosh. have really just done it all you've got animation you've got commercial work you've got film work you've got um you're in a movie with uh Scarlett Johansson you know and you're Still you also have this that. broadway career and just before all of this went down and and the doors were closed and we all were sequestered at home you are about to do another Broadway show. <laughs> um, and I see your sign there. I'm like, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> That's for oh, you. That's for you. <laughs> thank you. We we had we had started our first week of rehearsal a year ago. So like um, two days ago, we were all like texting each other like, happy one year from our first rehearsal. Can't wait to get back to it. Oh. You know? Yeah. I, I was in rehearsal for the um, for Once Upon a One More Time, which is a Britney Spears musical. And this gay boy pop fantasy extravaganza, I was living my life. I was so excited. I remember having a costume fitting um, like the day before everything closed and felt like finally felt like a pop prince. And then, yeah, then I all kind of shut down. And so it's like having the faith that things will return. And it seems like it's slowly coming back. Like I know they're talking about theaters, certain theaters opening up to limited capacity, vaccines are happening, but Man, I'm so ready for everything to 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 open up again safely, but open back up. Same, big same. Yeah. I yeah. am looking forward to the simple things like having a date night. Um, but I'm also looking forward to the big things like yeah. Broadway opening up. I know it's going to be a huge party down the whole street. It's going to be incredible. I um, yeah. so I am looking forward to that. But um. And I'm sorry that you only got a couple of days. For some reason, I was thinking that you guys were in rehearsal for like a couple of weeks or a month. But either way, it's still a disappointment because, yeah. you know, yeah, you it, was, wait. it was two weeks of rehearsal. We had just finished like act one and like the girls, the, the, the princesses were going to go a couple of days early for a photo shoot. So they were literally figuring out all the details. We had all figured out our Airbnbs and company rentals. And the first night we landed, there was a uh, like a Britney night at a gay bar. So all you know, we we're all like, "Yes, it's a sign!" <laughs> and then it all happened. But um, 
you know, it will come back. We will all get back to it. But it's it's a really great show because um, it's about princesses taking their stories back from an evil male narrator. And I mean... Come on, that's it. Come on. Yeah. Come on. You would actually be perfect in the show too, Adrian. Yeah. Did you get seen for it? Because you would be perfect no, in so many roles. I didn't get seen for it. Who 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 cast it? Can you tell me? Do you remember? Let's Paul, not. Paul Hart. Paul Hart. Oh, okay. Paul Hart was our casting director. I've never I've never gone in for Paul, so maybe he just doesn't know me. Well, you know what you do? You know, you let me know, and when we're <laughs> casting, I will email him and make sure I got you. I'll make sure he knows. <laughs> I love that. I don't know who that was, but I love him. <laughs> oh man! Well, I'm whether I I get a chance to be seen or not. I'm excited to see uh, Once Upon a One More Time because I think it's going to be amazing. And um, I love the premise already that you just shared because you are a father of a daughter, and so I imagine getting to be a part of a story that liberates young girls and uh, gives them their power back has to be awesome. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, especially as a dad and especially uh, as a dad to a beautiful biracial six and a half year old now, (laughs) um, a daughter, I mean, female power, women empowerment. It's something that I have always strived for and tried to be an ally. And just now having a daughter, it's like I want to do even more to make sure she knows she is just as equal, just as powerful, just as smart, just as deserving as any man out there, you know, um, or anyone who identifies as a man, you know, so, uh, uh, and it's been really great too. Um, I mean, doing a quick political aside, like knowing that Kamala Harris is now our VP and she shares the same um, uh, background as my daughter, because my daughter wow. is half South Asian, half West, West Indian. Wow. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this, like, I, I cried at her speech. Uh, we watched her speech together and she knows who Kamala is. So I'm very like, there you go, girl. Yes. And she's six and a half, which is brilliant because I did. I don't think I knew what politics were when I was six and a half. (laughs) I think I knew what what it was at like 24. (laughs) (laughs) We had to start caring eventually, right? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. So you you always want to be an actor. And now I'm curious. So you went to Northwestern. I looked, yes. I looked that up. And so I know they do a showcase and all that. They really set their performers up for success. That seems mm-hmm. to be um, Northwestern's bag, which is great. And yeah. so did you? were you able to get an agent from your showcase? How did it? You did. Okay, great. Yes. Can, you, can you share that with us? Um, so I started off at Northwestern as a pre-med chemistry major. What? After a year and a half, I was like, I cannot do this. I, can, <laughs> I don't care about chemicals in a test tube. I just can't do this. Um, and then I transferred to um, the School of Speech. That's what it was back then. Now it's the School of Communication um, as a film major. But because I was a film major, I could apply for the music theater program. So I was weaseling my way into the program and not, but making sure my parents didn't see theater on my report card because they would have freaked out. Um, and yeah, went through the whole program, met some amazing friends that we all still talk and support each other. And I was part of my new showcase. Um, came to New York. Um, what I sang Rain from Once on this Island. <laughs> I remember being like, I know I'm ethnic, but I don't think this is the right song for me. Honestly, I could hear you killing it though, because your voice is so fierce. But I can oh, I can also you. see the conflict. <laughs> I was like, what about 
Purpose from Avenue Q. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and then so I signed with my legit agent um, and my commercial agent. And I've been with them since, since 2004. That's amazing. Yeah. And it's been like a learning process because in the, in the beginning, no one ever teaches you um, how to like behave with your agents, how to foster a relationship, how to communicate with them. So it took a, like a year or two to like know how to talk and be myself around them. And, and we're super tight. Like they've come and like babysat before the pandemic. We text about things like it's nice to be at this stage of our relationship. But in the beginning, there was some like learning curves on my end. Absolutely. I felt that way with my agent too. I feel like I'm really starting to, we're really starting to get to know each other now. I've been with them since 2013. And I think, first of all, I didn't know what an agent was or what they were supposed to do for you really. So I had to learn that Mm -hmm. and then learn how, what I needed and what roles were right for me and how to express that and say that and, and, and how to trust them. Mm-hmm. because they, your career is in their hands. And um, exactly. I don't have a manager, but I really am curious your, um, your take on the, the difference between them and what they, what they do for you in that way. But yeah. Uh, yeah, I think there's definitely a learning curve with getting an agent for the first time and understanding what that means. Totally. Uh, like with my agents too, um, they almost act like managers. They really kind of massaged my career and I was always there to ask them questions. Um, and I always tell people, Agents do not charge you. They take a commission. Because when I was a student in Chicago, there were a couple of agencies that were like, hey, you have to pay this much money for me to put you on your website. You got to pay me this fee up front. And I did once because I didn't know any better. Mm -hmm. And then so I always tell students, like, make sure you don't pay money up front. They work for you and they will take a commission out. Um, I signed with my manager a few years ago, uh, Matthew Sullivan, who is awesome. And he feels almost like a therapist at times. (laughs) (laughs) uh, I guess the difference between an agent and a manager is an agent, um, they both get you the appointments. They both do the negotiating. Um, I think a manager um, is just a little more hands-on. They're the kind that will like, he'll like give me like a virtual hug and be like, they're there, you're fine, you're talented. Or I will have a self-tape, I'll rehearse it, send it to him. He gives me notes. So in a way, he's also kind of like a coach. Mm-hmm. So they're kind of more involved in the day-to-day. Um, um, but with my agents at Nicolosi, they've also been that as well. They've been fantastic. So it's nice to have a good team. And there's also a difference between, um, so I have Nicolosi as my theater um, TV film agents. I have Matthew as my manager. And then CESD is my commercial agents. They're also my voiceover and print. So I'm lucky to have this team. And with them, it's a whole... Um, different array of protocols as well because commercial calls you get it the day before um voiceovers you have to record the mp3 that night and send it so it's been i feel like actors brains we compartmentalize everything because there's so much stuff to absorb (laughs) so much it's like we're our secretary we're our own secretary and Mm -hmm. uh it's a lot of navigating. It almost feels like a freelance lifestyle, even though everything yes. is in this one little bubble of of abilities and, yeah. and different types of work that you'll do. You could be, especially for commercial auditions, they ask you to do crazy things sometimes. Uh-huh. You know? So <laughs> what's like the craziest thing you've had to do in a commercial audition? Oh my goodness. Um 
Oh, I remember the craziest, the one for a theater audition. I had to sit on, you know, Donna Lynn Chaplin, who was on um, um, uh, My Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Mm-hmm. Um, was it My Crazy Ex-Girlfriend? I'm the worst! Uh, 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 um, I had to stand on her back and sing Let It Go because we were improv <laughs> for a workshop. And she had to stand on my back and sing something as well. And we were just laughing like, what is going on right now? But <laughs> we did! How did she sta- how did you stand on each other's backs? I felt bad. I'm like, girl, I'm 180 pounds. I anybody's back, I will probably break if I stand on you and try and sing a song. Um and commercially, you know, it's so funny because uh they ask you to do everything. And my favorite is when they ask you to wear like a suit in the in the middle of summer. <laughs> So everyone's sweating. Everyone's in that one bathroom changing. Um, I've had to make animal noises. I've had to do attempted breakdance moves. I've I've had to oh the um the bite and smile audition where you it's like for for a fast food place where you <laughs> then you spit it out in a trash can. <laughs> <laughs> That's wild. That's yeah. wild. I remember I had to dance like Beyonce once. And I thought, okay, I don't, okay, sure. I, I mean, I'll do my best, but it's, it's like, it's Beyonce. Like, <laughs> was there music? Please tell me there was like music, or was it all? No, was it, just- it was in silence. <laughs> they played no music. Silence. I was like, this is awesome. When can I leave? <laughs> there was one audition where they made us do improv. I wonder if this was like the same audition. Um, <laughs> But they had somebody was at the piano and they were they started playing Usher's Yeah, but on the piano like, (laughs) and I'm like, I can't get down to the cabaret version of Yeah by Usher right now. No, absolutely not. And you know, and the camera tells all. So like, if you are not committed, the camera's like, I see you're not committed. <laughs> but oh, my we- Korean, my Korean face will let you know what I'm feeling. <laughs> <laughs> That's why during tech, I'm like, I'm sorry for my face, but you'll see it from the tenth row what I might be feeling. On stage. <laughs> I think it took me years for me to realize that my face tells my truth. And my, I, I will be so polite. I will say things yeah. so diplomatically, but my face is not diplomatic. She tells on me all the time. Yeah. Are you, you're probably, um, are you the one that like people take pictures of me during tech and be like, yes. hey, and I'm like. Yes, <laughs> yes. And I, I'm never aware of it until someone reminds yeah. me. I'm trying to be more aware of it, but I was in uh, rehearsals for Kiss Me, Kate, and I was still meeting everybody. And um, I had a moment with one of my cast members, and she was just like, I just stare at you the whole rehearsal. Your face. You kill me. And I'm like, oh, no, I'm doing it again. You know, like, I've got an audience. i got to rein it in. Yeah, that's what one of our swings during Soft Power. Um, she'd be like, Ray. During that scene, I'm like, oh, I thought I hit it. Or I'd be like, I swear I was thinking what I was going to order from Chipotle. I really think it was deceiving that that time. <laughs> so probably like, do I order chicken or steak? You know? <laughs> You're just in deep thought yeah. for a second. It was, yeah, there was no shade. No shade. Just. Yeah. It's important. Chicken or steak. I want to know what my burrito bowl is going to look like. Absolutely. During my tech meal. 
Yeah, it's a, it's an important meal. I'm so glad you brought up soft power because I really wanted to chat with you about that experience. I didn't get a yeah. chance to see it. I wish I did because I know how groundbreaking it was. But can you chat a little about it? Yeah, soft power. Um, there truly is no other theatrical experience like it. It it, it is a, a a play turned into musical, um, written by David Henry Huang. Janine Tesori, um, Lee Silverman directed it. Sam Pinkleton was our choreographer. Stellar, amazing team. Um, originated at um, CTG in LA. Um, and then the public did it uh, a year and a half ago. Oh God, how long has it been? A year and a half ago. Um, and it's a fascinating um, take reversal on The King and I, um, where this, this Chinese man tries to help right the wrongs of America. <laughs> wow. Um, helps Hillary Clinton. So there's the pivotal role of Hillary Clinton. And it deals with um, Asian Americanness in America. It deals with us being the other. It deals with racism. Um, it's semi-autobiographical because David Henry Huang was stabbed on the streets of Brooklyn by an assailant who thought he was a Chinese delivery man. And so he uses that moment to go from play to musical. It's like a very warped Wizard of Oz as well. Mm. But we tackle, yeah, also gun violence. I had a, a big song about um, called Good Guy with a Gun where I played the Vice President of the United States singing about the importance of everybody having a gun. And and it, it was an amazing experience being there from, from the early beginning um, and helping develop something like that. Because uh, as actors, when you get a chance to help develop like we did, it's so cool and so fascinating and stressful and terrifying to be able to help create from the ground up versus replacing and, you know, and, and trying to fill someone else's shoes without making too many ripples. Oh, yeah. Replacing is really hard. I mean, I would say that they're both challenging. It just takes a different uh, mindset for, for either, whether you're creating from the ground up or you're trying to fit into a puzzle piece uh, a puzzle that already exists. Um, yeah. Yeah, they both can be difficult, but I think the dream is to do something from the ground up and really yeah. take ownership of it and put your stamp on it, if you will, of yeah. of of uh, of someone else's work and and making it come to life. I really mm. wish I got a chance to see that because it sounds amazing. And I imagine as a Korean-American actor uh, getting a chance to be a part of something that resonated with you on a deeper level mm -hmm. had to have been magical. It really was. Um, uh, what was super magical was at the stage door after every show in LA, San Francisco, and New York, we would have um, like young Asian-American and actually um, POC kids come up to us and let us know how much it meant to them, A, to see um, a cast of just minority people, Asian Americans, others in this country taking the stage and singing about America, telling an American story. Um, even to have Conrad Ricamora was our Asian American lead. He was sexy. He was romantic. Whoa, what a concept, you know, that you, you don't see a lot. Yeah. Um, so it truly was one of those experiences that I'll always remember. And you can actually listen to the, um, the cast album on Spotify, which gives like a nice little sample of, the story, there's so many different genres that Janine um, tackled and you'll almost feel it within each each song. It was very, just very smart and, and, and a, a crazy ride. 
I, I can only imagine. I'm going to have to take a listen to that. Thank you for suggesting that because I, I need yeah. new music in my life. And the way yeah. you're describing it, it sounds like it's pretty awesome. Oh, cool. Thank I, um, you. I'm thinking back to everything that's gone on in the past year and how we've all been kind of navigating these uh, catchphrases or terms, you know, uh, diversity and inclusion. Mm-hmm. And, you know, my husband Austin brought this up, and I think it's a really good point that those phrases really get turned into a black and white conversation. Mm-hmm. And I mm-hmm. feel like, as you said, the other gets left out of the conversation. And mm-hmm. um, when it comes to percentages of actors on Broadway, if we were supposed to break everybody down into ethnic group, um, I would say that mm-hmm. the um, my my Asian actors are not getting a lot of time on stage and not getting any Mm -hmm. roles. And um, maybe even, you know, I don't know. I don't want to speak for you because I'm just going and going. And then I really want to hear what you have to say about it. But um, the idea of your ethnicity being washed out because people can't handle handle it. So they're like, oh, well, we'll Mm -hmm. just include him as another white actor or another, you know, just... um, nameless, um, mm-hmm. unidentified face. So I have to, first of all, give props for me personally to the black community because it was, it was, I think when I am in a cast, um, and earlier in my career, and if there was ever something that was just not cool about, um, maybe something that was racist against Asian people, I think I was taught as Korean American to sweep it under the rug that it doesn't count, ignore it. And and in hindsight, that's that was a wrong thing to do because then they think that's right and okay. Yes. And it was always my my black cast members um, that were like, Ray, are you okay with that? Because I feel that's weird, but it's not my place to say it. And that would start the seed in me, like, you're right, that isn't cool. Mm-hmm. It was almost like experiences of the black community being forced to speak up because of all this stuff that has been happening. Because y'all are so more evolved with having to speak up. I feel like the Asian community is still catching up. We're still okay sometimes being quiet because that's what we've been trained to do. And we're now where we are starting to speak up more. And I know personally, like my face, if something, you know, something happens, like you will know. And I will talk to someone on the creative team. I might not, you know, make a scene in the rehearsal room, but then I will talk to a stage manager or a director and be like, hey, listen up, that that's not cool. And I'm not comfortable with that. That is 2021 Ray, because 2004 Ray would have been like, everything's fine. (laughs) It's fantastic. I'm so lucky to be here. I'm so lucky to be here. (laughs) Um, And there's this allyship between, I feel like, all our communities, the Black community, the Latinx community, um, the Asian American community, disabled community, um, LGBTQ, and I think there's such strength together. And especially with stuff that's been happening now, um, Black Lives Matter, um, anti-Asian hate crimes, it, it... it's been so important for all of us to support each other. And I've seen that and it means so much, you know, I think anti-Asian hate crime seems to be the hot topic now. Mm -hmm. And uh, to see people step up, talk about it, escort um, Asian elderly people across the street or home. um, And to see all colors do that, all colors show up at the protest has been really awesome and has started to heal my soul. So that was so winded. I'm like, yeah. So like, it's like, ugh. 
<laughs> it's a lot. It's um, I think that we're all kind of uh, coming out. Uh, you know that moment in uh, The Wiz where they they like wake up and yeah. and they're it's a brand new day. I feel like yeah. we and when I say we, I do mean people of color are figuring mm-hmm. out we're figuring out how to use our voice and find our voice because I can identify mm-hmm. with you, Ray, with not wanting to rock the boat or say anything or be a problem, mm-hmm. especially starting out. And it's such, I mean, it's so hard to get cast in the first place. So you don't want to be a problem. And yeah, yeah. so then you, you, you pretend like you're okay with stuff and it starts to build and it fester, you know, like a, mm-hmm. an untended wound. And then, mm-hmm. um, that's that's not benefiting anyone because mm-hmm. you are being victimized for lack of a better word and then the 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 person doing the action has no clue and they can't correct the behavior and mm-hmm. so i think it's for our benefit for all of us to continue to speak up or begin to speak up yeah and you can do it your own way like some of us yeah. are a little more bold a little more you know uh, flashy with with uh, with how we're going to speak to someone, and some of us mm-hmm. are a little more quiet or polite or whatever mm-hmm. adjective you have. But as mm-hmm. long as the words get out, mm-hmm. then then change will happen. Agreed. And I have to thank almost parenthood for giving me less energy because because I have less <laughs> energy, I just blurt it out now. <laughs> <laughs> I have to share one of my experiences too um, that really stood with me was when we were auditioning for Groundhog Day, the musical. Um, I think every time I go in for an audition, I'm always like, what role is a token role? What mm-hmm. role is a token color role that they're going to like put someone of color in that role and be like, look, we're diverse. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, um, oh, Hey, Adrian, you're there. Sorry. I froze. I'm back. <laughs> you're <me>? back. <laughs> um, and, uh, so at going to the auditions, I remember being like, okay, this part, um, the part of Ralph that I was going in for must be the, the token role. And I saw my friend Vishal Vaidya there and I said, are you going in for Ralph? He's like, no, I'm going in for Larry. And I remember being like, what? You're going in for another role? You're Asian? I'm Asian? What is going on here? Um, and then other friends, um, other Asian American friends were going in for different roles. And it was this like mel- true melting pot where different types of people went in for the various roles and they just picked who they wanted. And that was something that was kind of new to me at that point and so refreshing. And I just hope that more of that happens. I hope so too. We were sitting down with an actress a couple weeks ago and she mentioned that her friend said, race isn't a type. And I was like, whoa. You know, because when I get an audition and you know, maybe the casting director hasn't changed the description yet and and they're described as someone that doesn't look like me. I really Mm -hmm. get in my head about it and I've had to kind of just erase that moment and Mm -hmm. try to move forward with it. And um, it is tough when you walk into the audition room and you see a lot of folks that look like you, but there's only one role for you all. And Mm -hmm. um, I'm hoping that all the conversations we are having will make, make it so that that begins to change. But Agreed. like we said before, we have to keep having these conversations so that people really can see what it's like on the other side. And by people, yeah. I mean, you know, casting directors or writers, directors, producers, um, so that they can see what it's like on the other side and that we can really mix this up because yeah. you, yeah. you, you, your ethnicity is not your type. 
You know, there's so many things that you're capable of that are outside uh, someone's small mindedness of of what an Asian actor can do or what an Asian actor type is. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, I would I would tell people I'd be like back then, you know, I would get, you know, comments like, can you make it more Asian? Those dreaded words. And (gasps) I would be like, the role is Asian if an Asian person plays it like. I don't need to wear chopsticks in my hair or shuffle across the stage. Like, you're, don't worry, it's it's Asian. <laughs> exactly. Um. I'm so glad you said that because yeah. on the other side, I hear it too. You know, and it's so devastating. Yeah. And and especially when people try to find more colorful language to say it, like you know, can you make it? You know, one one of our guests said, "Can you make it more urban?" Oh, um, sorry, yep. And it's just like, what what does that mean? Is are we talking about class? Are we talking about um, should we should we transform this room into a city? What what do you mean? Yeah, I'm like, how did urban? It's it's funny now these code words, mm-hmm. and that's when we can keep calling out like, what do you really mean by that? Because I think you're code wording what you really mean. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, and and it's not really a note because um, it it's it's too subjective. It's it's someone else's personal experience or whatever they think that is, and it's mm-hmm. not um, yeah. It's tough. Ooh, it's tough. But I'm yeah, glad we're yeah. talking about it because it's like it's like irritating and annoying yeah. and frustrating and hurtful yeah. and yeah. Um, I feel shaky because it's like I'm so not used to talking about it in a way with like other actors at, to this level. So it's like liberating. It's terrifying. It's cathartic. It's mm-hmm. therapeutic right now. But I'm grateful for this. Me too. And you're safe because guess what, Ray? It's your story. It's your yeah. truth. It's your perspective. Yeah. No one can yeah. shift that or change that. This is what you have lived through and you're sharing yeah. it. I remember the day that I realized I was also gay. And I remember looking at the heavens and being like, God, you made me Asian American in the entertainment business and you made me gay? Like, what is, really? <laughs> it had to be both? And then now it's like, I'm glad you did. Mm-hmm. I own myself. I love how unique I am because there's not, you know, many, many people like my type or whatever people want to say, or, or like me. And as I grow older, it's more about realizing what you have and owning it and being proud of it and using it. Like when you go into an audition room, I've learned now to not fit a mold, not try and sound like somebody, just be me. If they want it, great. If not, I'm going to go get a milkshake. (laughs) Yeah. You got to treat yourself after these auditions. They are rough. (laughs) Shake, check, milkshake. Thank you, Shakespeare. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think, too, you know, when you talk about just being your authentic self, it's so important because if you are in there pretending to be someone else and say you book the job, well, then now you have to do this job pretending to be what you think you were that day or what you think they want. And there's no mm-hmm. liberation in that. There's so much freedom mm-hmm. in just especially when, oh, I I love when I get a role and I'm like, oh yeah, all I got to do is learn these lines and be myself. La la la. You know, it's the best feeling in the world. It's the best. Especially like when the lines are like, oh, this is stuff I would say because it helps you memorize it so much more. Mm-hmm. So much more. It just yeah. rolls off the tongue. Yeah. I love it. It's, yeah. it's funny. Um, I don't know if you do, but have this, but in my closet, like, because I know the roles that I go in for, which is like, 
Best Buy clerk, nerdy <laughs> best friend. And I have like, there's my Best Buy polo. There's my nerdy button up. There's my doctor scrubs. Like, <laughs> Yes. I don't have any doctor scrubs yet, but I have considered it. I get called in a lot. I don't know. I hope I don't read like too hard, but I get called in for like, you know, like the powerful woman that's like, you yes. know, saying what she's got to say. Not so much with this, but like, you yeah. know, no. You know, powerhouse women that are making decisions and um, that are intuitive, that are reading the situation, but maybe not playing it yet. Like, I get called in for that a lot. Uh, Every now and then I get called in for the very positive mom. And I'm like, (laughs) all right, let me be a positive mom and smile a lot. Let me make sure I smile in this slate. And (laughs) (laughs) like... I don't know. I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> I was like, I want to see you as a fierce young lawyer, series regular, or a politician. Or... Yes. Yeah. Give it to me. Those always yeah. feel good. Uh, there's a lot of like language that you know you have to get on your tongue that you're not used to saying as a you know a non-lawyer. But once it's in, and you can like put on, like when I put on a blazer, I'm like, yeah. So yeah, I do have like, I have my suits. Um, I have like uh, my, she's a lawyer, DA. This is a DA. So she don't have, you know, she doesn't have a huge pockets, you know, but like, yeah. this is, this is the suit. And then I have like really colorful blazers that are like, I, um, I am the owner of a makeup company, you know, <laughs> her, like she's like her bright pink, pink blazer. I can't talk. Yeah. Um, I love that. <laughs> I have like that kind of stuff in my wardrobe. Yeah. No, no joke. The week after Halloween, I went to, um, oh God, my dad brain spirit Halloween. Cause they have one here. And I was like, Ooh, great. Priest, cop, <laughs> pharmacist. Great. This is awesome. Set. Cause you really yeah. just need like waist up to make it really convincing, you know? Yes. I, I don't know about you. When it says like full slate, I'm like, oh man, I got to put pants on. Seriously. I have to put shoes on. Like I'm doing these, all of these auditions in slippers and I'm like, oh, let me get these heels. Okay. Yeah. These will work. Oh, I'm too tall in these heels. Okay. Back up, back up. You know, cause that slate in this, these New York apartments, it's, it's a, it's a. I'm like, you're going to see everything. You're going to see like where, where my, um, my curtains end and the other curtains start. You're yes. going to see my rug. You're going to see the Barbie mall next to me because that's where Ellis, Ellis stuff is. Like you're going to see all of it. So That is the truth. Welcome to New York auditions. I'm sure they've seen it all at this point. I'm sure. Like, yeah. I think, oh, my setup can't be nearly as bad. It's like, someone has something worse than this. I'm fine. It's fine. It's fine. It, it has been fun seeing all these, like, virtual concerts and seeing, like, these Broadway stars and kind of being, like, a voyeur and being like, oh, that's what Patti Lapone's basement looks like. <laughs> like, this is so cool. I feel like I have an end to all these, like, how these stars live. <laughs> yeah, an inside look at how the how they live. Yeah, uh, yeah. Oh, man. And I'm, now I'm thinking about to when you were talking about uh, soft power and Groundhog Day, and I don't know what your Broadway debut was. It was Mamma Mia on <gasps> Broadway. Mia. Yes, I played I played Eddie, um, the drunk friend of the guy getting married who played the bagpipe. So I had to learn how to play five notes on the bagpipe which <laughs> in my special skills. But yeah, that was my debut in 2006. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah. What yeah. was that experience like? Was it um were were you a replacement? Was that Yeah. Yeah, I was a replacement. Um it uh it was just frankly amazing. I was there for four and a half years. So Mamma Mia felt like grad school. I um 
there was something so amazing about it. Having that as my Broadway debut and having such an incredible group to come to every day um, with the super uplifting show that kept me really in shape because we were dancing and I was in a wetsuit and bathing suits. Daddy Ray looked good. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I, I learned a lot about myself because I think I went into the show like, you know, a couple years out of college, was still straight, um, didn't know what pizza toppings I liked. I just didn't know who I was. And being around this colorful group of different people, so many different people, different backgrounds, um, different um, ages, different experiences, um, I learned a lot. And it, was, it was a type of place, and I'm sure you've had this experience too, where you can Adrian and I hope that you have enjoyed listening to the show thus far. If you'd like to hear the full interview and get access to the curtain call, head on over to 32barcut.com, where you can find a link to our Patreon page. There you will have exclusive access to the entire video collection and private RSS podcast feed, as well as other subscriber-only content. All right, that's all I got. Thanks for tuning in. See you next time.